Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened, where we discuss, explore, and connect with fellow empaths, healers, intuitives, and seekers. Hello, empaths. We hope you're having a wonderful, peaceful week. We're going to be sharing with you in this episode questions and stories that you all have sent in. It's one of our favorite episodes to do because we get a chance to hear from you all and connect with you guys and and continue to foster this lovely community of enlightened empaths. Denise, would you like to start us off? I would love to. Uh, Our first one says, my husband and I were going to spend a few days together for my 40th birthday. My good friend said she'd keep our three kids and I was really excited about having two nights away. This is the longest we've been away together in about nine years before our oldest was born. We've grown apart in our marriage and our focus on the kids, and I was really having doubts if our marriage would make it. I asked the day before we left to see a white bird if I could trust that our marriage would last, and a black bird if not. We were talking about a few options for dinner the first night and finally decided on a place that was, but it was an hour wait when we got there. We met friends and sat at another restaurant across the street for appetizers to wait for our table. It started raining and it was pouring heavy rain by the time we got the message our table was ready. We talked about not going at all, but I had the feeling we just needed to go to the other place. When the rain let up, my husband said he would go run across the street and save our spot until we could all come over. At this point, I'd forgotten all about the white bird I asked for. We ran across the street in the rain and sat down at the booth in the English pub for our reservation. I looked up and see a white bird on the wall, not a picture, but taxidermy. My mind immediately doubted, taxidermy? Is this really my sign? It's not what I was expecting at all. The next morning in the hotel, we looked out the window to see the downtown view in daylight. Right across the street from our room was a giant mural of a white bird on the side of a building. At this point, I'm thinking, this can't be a coincidence. We had early dinner plans that night at five, so we were trying to come up with some other things to do for the day. The movie times didn't work, and there was an escape room not too far, but their times didn't fit either. So we ended up going to the museum to walk around for a few hours. There were white birds everywhere. Normally, seeing birds at the museum wouldn't be surprising, but it wasn't part of our plans to be there. This was too much of a coincidence to be a coincidence. Thank you both for helping me believe. See, I love this on so many levels. A, I'm glad it was the white bird because being a, a true romantic, I think I'm, I'm glad they're able to, to work this out that it's also that when she wasn't expecting it, boom, there's the bird. Had completely forgotten about it, boom, there's the bird. And I think that that is so much of this work is just, stop the hyper-focus and over-analyzing and they'll find a way to get it to you without you having to be constantly scrutinizing your environment looking for the sign. And that's when you know it's a sign, when you're not hunting it down, you know, every minute of the day, it just kind of appears, even if it is taxidermy. I love her bravery in asking this question in the first place. That's a hard question to ask your guides. And she did it in a very black and white way. You know, if yes, show me this. No, show me that. I mean, that's pretty scary because that shows that she's open and receptive and surrender. You know, she's a surrendered soul in the the true meaning of the word, which says a lot about her open heart. 
I'm so happy she saw the white bird too, and that her marriage is going to thrive. And, and I just want to share, I, I remember so well those years raising kids and just feeling disconnected from your partner and wanting to get a babysitter, wanting to get two nights away. You know, my three girls babysit and in our town, they get like 12 to $15 an hour. And my oldest daughter goes to school in a, in a much bigger city and she gets $20 an hour. And it, we were, they were talking about, you know, babysitting what they're making. And, and I said to my kids, I'm like, well, damn, like if you guys were little, I could not afford a baby. I couldn't afford you guys. Like, that's a lot of money. If you're going, let's say you and your, and your partner want to go to a movie and dinner, that's at least four hours. So you're out 80 bucks, just in a babysitter. Then you add dinner, then you add the movie. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot of stress on young couples. I think. Don't you I agree? Yes. Yes, very much. And I, I also love that there wasn't even a glimmer of a, a blackbird. There was no. nothing in this. No. So it was really clear. Nope. Here's another white bird. Here's another white bird. I, I love that. I, I, I do love too. that too. But I you're right. Too. That that whole wanting to, to share time with your partner, but not having the resources to be able to do so on a consistent basis can be very stressful. It really is. And and, you know, and, but it's a catch 22. Like, of course you want to pay a lot of money for someone to watch your child, right? You don't want to like get a deal on that. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that uh, we did that helped a lot in my play group, we would share. So like the first weekend of the month, I would watch my two friends, kids, and, mm-hmm. you know, they could go out and then the second weekend. So we would rotate that way. It would, it was economically feasible. Well, that's fun. Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for sharing that beautiful sign you got. And yes, we love love and that's beautiful. All right. Our next one says, hi, Denise and Samantha. I almost can't believe this happened, but it did. And I couldn't wait to get home and write about it and tell you. These past couple of years have been filled with many changes and transformations. Like with many of us, lots of letting go and fear around uncertainty. Needless to say, I have many ups and downs with the tears and laughter to prove it. I've often resisted asking my guides for physical signs because I know in my heart they are around and I don't want to stress them out. But I listened to your recent Q&A and was so inspired by one of your listeners' stories that I decided to try it. The morning before listening to your show, I had a beautiful meditation where a vision of periwinkles, daisies, and periwinkle-colored daisies flooded me. I often work with flower energies in my meditations, but periwinkle was a new one for me. After listening to your show and with the meditation flowers fresh in my mind, I asked my guides to somehow in the next 48 hours to send me a sign with periwinkles or periwinkle daisies to let me know everything was going to be okay. I've been in a lot of fear around finances and finding work, and I really needed a message of hope. But then I said, I know it's a tall order, so only if you want to and can, it would help to know you're around. This morning, two days later, I went on my daily waterfront walk. It was raining, but I rallied, put on my rain pants and jacket to get some solitude. Hardly anyone is on the path during rainy days, and today it was just me, the crows, and lots of water. Halfway through my walk, I saw a little clip on the footpath. Normally, I'd zip right by, but did a double take when I saw that it was periwinkle colored. I walked closer, and it was a tiny plastic periwinkle colored daisy clip. What are the chances? I'll include a picture of it on my little altar. I just couldn't believe it. Immediately, I felt a sense of confidence and calm that everything was going to be okay. 
that they heard me and that it's okay for me to ask them for physical reassurance. They enjoy the challenge and my participation. Thank you all for what you do and the inspiration and good energy you provide. I just had to share this story with you. Wow. Thank you for sharing this story with us because this is such a great example of asking for a sign. And she did everything right. She asked for a very specific sign from nature, which is always, I think, fairly not easy for their, our guides to do, but it's one of the easier ones for them to work with. And she gave them a very specific timeline in the next 48 hours. And then she just, you know, let it go. I know it's a tall order. If you can do it, great. If you can't, I get it. You know, she wasn't holding on to it, like we were saying before and hunting it down. And she goes on her walk and there she's, I'm sorry, I've never seen a periwinkle daisy. Denise, have you? I've seen daisies that are that color. I didn't know they were called a periwinkle daisy. It's like a funny blue. White daisies, I didn't know. So just that alone is so, I think in, in my part of the world, pretty unique. And I think it's so cool that she just saw one on her walk. Well, and just the fact that she could have just stepped over the clip mm-hmm. and just like, oh, well, there's a clip. I'm not going to pick it up. Oh, my goodness. It's right there. And it, it does fall into the category of you can't make this stuff up. I mean, it yeah. really does. Again, beautiful, beautiful validation for her as well. That's a fun one. And I respect that she put on the rain suit and went out anyway. Me too. And I love that she said, I had to share it with you. Like, again, I love this, this idea that we are this virtual community together. It just, it makes me so happy. I think it's helping all of us kind of keep going right now. Yeah. yeah. The next one says, I've been devouring your podcast and just loving them. Thank you. I have a question and I don't have anyone else to ask. So please forgive my presumptuousness. I did a meditation trying to connect with my guides or higher self. This is where I come unstuck as I should have been more specific. I got a very clear connection. I felt and saw a woman with dark brown eyes, caramel skin, and she was wearing a beaded headdress that sat across her forehead like a fringe and covered her head. She was an Egyptian, more tribal. Since the meditation, I can feel her close to me, almost like the energy surrounds me. But how do I know if she's an aspect of a previous life a guide or my higher self. I'd so appreciate your input. And I think it may also help other people who have similar experiences. Personally, because she was so set on going in asking for a guide, I think spot on, she got what she asked for. Yeah, I I do too. And I did respond to her personally. and, And I said to go with your gut feeling because we always have that sense of knowing and if, if you don't, like if she's, if she read my message and was like, well, I, I didn't have a cup, something you can do is take that image. So she saw this very specific image of this beautiful woman, take that image and visualize yourself pulling it into your third eye and see if you can see any more information in your mind's eye and then pull it into your throat chakra and see it clear audiently. If you hear anything, you might hear a name, you might hear a yes as confirmation on your guide. And then finally pull it into your solar plexus where your clairsentience is and see what your gut feeling tells you. You know, I've, I've had teachers who would say to me, does it really matter? Right? Like you, your higher self can serve as a guide. An Mm -hmm. aspect of you in a past life can serve as a guide. That's a little quantum physics-y for me. Like that's, I have a hard time wrapping my head around that. And yet I believe what those teachers have told me, right? Like 
I guess aspects of me could be guiding me now. God bless her. Right. I don't know. That would be weird, but they say that it does work that way. The level of, of description is so clear. Plus another thing to consider. I love those suggestions that you gave about internalizing that and making the connection is do another meditation and ask this person to step forward and, and get more connection and send out in addition to, you know, solar plastic throw third eye is make a heart connection, send that beam of light from, from your heart center to the heart center of this being and see if you can get a connection that way as well, because yes, excellent. Or do what our first listener did and say, you know, if you're my guide, show me a white bird. If you're an aspect of myself from a past life, show me a blackbird. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah, that could work too. All right. Yeah. Our next one says, hello, Samantha and Denise. I absolutely love this show and psychic teachers. I found these podcasts by chance a few months ago. I absolutely love to listen. Thank you guys so much for sharing all of that. All right. I'd like to share an odd story that I've been holding on to for a while. About 10 years ago, it was about three or four in the morning. I was half asleep. I think it's called the hypnagogic state. I saw in my mind's eye as if I was my little brother. I was at my home and he at the time lived with my parents. I saw things as though I were him. He would often sleep in the living room on the couch. Through his eyes, I woke up and looked at the end of the hallway in between the two bedrooms and saw this thing standing there in front of the closet door. He stared at it and it stared back at him and then walked off and kept on its way. It only lasted a few seconds, but it felt much longer. It was the weirdest thing because I typically see things from a third party perspective. I've never seen things as though I was that person. The thing I saw was pretty big about six to seven feet tall, covered in hair or fur, and it had no face. It walked upright like a man, but didn't quite have the upper body of a man. I don't think this thing was demonic. I would give it the energy of a bear. It was neither good nor bad, just a thing that exists, but not in our 3D world. I didn't say anything about this experience until a few years later, and I told my mother about it. My mom is awesome, and she always believes me. We agreed not to tell my brother about it because we didn't want to freak him out. He was in his late teens at the time. Then a few years later, I'm not sure why, I decided to finally bring it up to him about it. And before I could describe what this thing looked like, he described it to me and he told me he would see it sometimes in the exact same spot I saw it in. I never told him where I saw it, but he knew it. This was the first time in my life I've ever had any validations that the things I see are not just my imagination, but are actually real. I'm not afraid of this thing, and neither is my brother. I don't get the feeling that it's stuck at my parents' house. I think it just passes by once in a while. I only saw this the one time and only through my brother's eyes. Thanks for letting me share the story. Maybe someone somewhere can relate. Well, I emailed her back and I said, you know, thank you for sharing this story because I I think it's a risk truly to share weird, strange, wonderful stories like this. Don't you like, I've had weird things like this happen to me too. And I've shared them on the podcast and I can't tell you guys how many nights I've laid awake in bed going, did I really just say that on a microphone on a podcast that anyone can hear at any time? And I I get butterflies and I mean, haven't I emailed you? Hey, have you posted that show? Could you delete such? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Because it's scary to share these 
these weird things that we see. And so the first thing I said was just, you know, thank you for sharing this. And the second thing I told her was that I'm, I'm really happy to see some changes going on in our world where more and more of these stories are coming to light. I am a big fan of the Skinwalker Ranch TV show, and I was finally watching the newest season and they had Oh, I can't remember. I think he was a colonel in the army, like a you know high up there guy. And he had worked on the ranch when Bigelow had owned it. And he was telling a story for the first time ever about seeing this creature. And it looks just like she describes it, like kind of like a Bigfoot, but not a Bigfoot. And he saw it just emerge out of this portal and drop into the ground and then disappear. And so immediately they sent their men over there and there were tracks where he had dropped, but only like 10 feet of them. And then it just disappeared again. And they did find an object, but he said that Bigelow has not released it. But I was just, I was literally sitting in my living room with one of my daughters. We were folding laundry and watching this. And I'm thinking how weird that this is now just out there and being talked about. And, you know, the other scientists on, on the Skinwalker Ranch team are nodding and going, mm-hmm, okay, so let's see if we put some blah, 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 wave energy into this portal opening, maybe we could get this thing to come again. And, and they're just talking about it. Like you and I would talk about, you know, our favorite crockpot recipe, you know? And <laughs> so I think that's interesting. And then finally, I just want to say, that I do think that there are other beings and other dimensions. And and I do think they can visit us. And I think sometimes when we are in that hypnagogic state of our in-between dream and waking, I think we're able to visit them. I think we can go to those dimensions too. Oh, I, yes, I, I, a hundred percent. Yes. And there's so much more than we may be able to see with our physical eye. And it makes sense if you do, if so many people will uh, talk about seeing the fairies or the gnomes or the elves or the spirits of nature or all of these things, how is this any different? It's just another, you know, is it mythical? Is it from another dimension? Is it from, but I love the fact that she saw this through her brother's eyes. That's almost like a form of remote viewing. And as as mediums, sometimes they'll say, blend with the person in spirit and see if you can see the world through their eyes. And I feel like she was doing that. And the fact that she saw, she made that connection with her brother and then saw this being in the same exact place that he had seen it. And he had never said anything about it either. So it, I think that that's really, there's so many dimensions to this story that are, are just so, so interesting and fun. Well, now she saw it the one time, but it sounds like the brother saw him or her, whatever this this entity is, a couple of times. Didn't you get that impression? Yes. Yes, very much so. So what do you think this is? I think that, well, what I do know is that a lot of people are picking up on a lot of energies that are making themselves more well-known because I do like to travel around in all those different realms and awake, you know, very open to, so we, we can make this a very practical part of the conversation. When you walk in the woods and you feel like there's someone watching you and there's no one there, there's not an animal there, there's nothing, but you feel it that strongly. Is there something from another dimension or a keeper of the woods or a gatekeeper that's there in that energy and dimension? And it, 
in a sense, it goes back into that time-space continuum that we talk about every now and again on our shows, that if it's all happening in different dimensions at the same time, you know, I, that's just such a heady topic. It's hard to even wrap my mind around it either. But it, the fact that it went into the earth, was it, uh, was it a healer? Was it a, someone from another planet that came here to and, and I'm always a little hesitant to talk about aliens and other planets and everything else, because it's not the, the practical side of my brain wants to say, well, we don't have, we, we can't validate that. Well, and John Keel, who studied this his entire adult life, at the end of his life, he wrote a book, I think it's explained in the eighth tower, if I remember correctly. He was saying he doesn't think any of these things are off planet. He think they're he thinks ever all this weird and wonderful and trickster and uh, guidance, all this phenomenon that people attribute to, you know, aliens, off planet beings, whatever term you want to give them, that it's that they all exist here on this planet, but in a different dimension or a different time. So one of the the things with going into different realms is you're stepping out of your your ordinary reality and stepping into the spiritual version of a non-ordinary reality that mirrors this one. And so how different is that than when we say, you know, crossing through the veil to talk to someone in spirit? It's the same thing. You're just stepping over that line. Right. Right. And, and who knows what it's like, we were out on the boat this weekend and these two dolphins came right up to the boat and instead of being in the moment, like, I know we should have been, we all had our phones out like, oh my gosh, that's so close. I could say, we were so excited and we're taking all these pictures and the dolphins just kept popping up and popping up. And I thought about those two little dolphins going back to their mommy and daddy and going, we saw these like weird fleshy creatures, no fins. And they got so excited to see us. And can you imagine what they were thinking, looking at us on this boat? like just flash, 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 flash. Mm-hmm. They must have the weirdest idea of what humans are. Um, sometimes we're scary if we have nets and sometimes we're just weird if we have cameras and we're yelling at them. Hi, smile over here. I mean, you should have seen my kids. <laughs> and I wonder if when we see these beings, maybe it's kind of similar, you know, like maybe they live in an ocean, right? Or like a t- totally different environment than we can even imagine. And sometimes in the boat of our subconscious, our dreams, we bump into them. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was a good line. You should write that one down. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing that. I, I love it story. It's a great, great story. Yes. Okay, so next one. I recently began your podcast, and I believe that it's, it's helped begin a transition in my life. I've thought that my emotions and feelings have been somewhat different. But with that being said, I have a very non-metaphysical thinking, accepting family. Therefore, I've always downplayed or second-guessed my intuition. I've been accepting myself and who I am after I turn 30, which will be three years now. I believe your podcast was meant to show up in my life. I've always loved going to holistic and spiritual shops, crystals, and especially nature. I feel most at home and happiness and happiest when immersed in the canopy of the woods. I have a couple of Reiki sessions and at first was skeptical, but I believe this was due to my heavily Christian and close-minded upbringing. 
I feel as though Reiki was one of the best things to happen to me. I'm beginning a new chapter within my life, and I'm happy to say that your podcast has been and will continue to be somewhat of a guide. Anyway, I wanted to reach out and give gratitude and for helping to embrace my intuitive self. I, I love this because it's where we all are right now. And so I was having a conversation with a group of people about a, a week or so ago, and it was all it was all woo. It was very out there woo. And then the conversation switched to how many other places outside of this group could you freely talk about things that really sound a little wing nut crazy, but are very real and true to us. And everyone laughed, but that's exactly what we're talking about in this community of listeners. And is if someone could hear some of the conversations you and I have had, and they'd be like, oh my goodness, what planet are those two on? But we're making it normal, which goes back to that last question. There's so much more than what we can can see and learning to, to trust it and embrace what it is. It just gives you such a in personal opinion, such a fuller aspect of, of being here on the planet and enjoying life. Yes. And it's such a good reminder to find your spiritual tribe, because otherwise we're going to continue doing what this listener and we all have done. Second guess your intuition and stay closed up because of, you know, closed minded upbringing or religious fears. I find it fascinating that she started accepting herself after she turned 30 and now is 33 and all into this. There's something very magical or I guess astrological about those times because isn't it 2930 is your Saturn return, mm-hmm. which is Late kind of 20s. when, yeah. yeah, it's, it's when you really kind of step into who you are and what you're here to do. And there's something mystical about the number 33, um, about just, you know, it's the master number of the spiritual teacher. It's the, the years on earth that, that Christ walked, but there's all sorts of, from all different cultures and religions, this belief that 33 is kind of a magical number for really, really owning and trusting your, your true self, your inner self and, and what you're here to do. And I think it's, it's important to really start to recognize where in your life, do you feel at home and happiest? And she was saying that she, for her, it's in the woods. um, But she also loves being in spiritual shops, crystals, anything in nature. And, And I think when we recognize that, we really start to understand our soul purpose and our, and our soul mission. So finding those like-minded people is, is key. And we're so grateful that we could be just a part of that on your journey. Yes. Okay. Our story says, I have always had visitation dreams, only I didn't know what they were until the last 13 years. I noticed my family usually visits more when there's a lot going on in my life or something big is about to happen. And I've also been given exact dates of things to come. I will get visits from friends, parents that have passed and complete strangers as well, asking me to give their loved ones a message, which is much harder to figure out. The dream visit I'd like to share happened this past January. I was standing in a kitchen I'm unfamiliar with, which had a breakfast bar with bar stools like so many kitchens do, including mine. I suddenly had a knowing that there was a spirit there with me sitting at the bar stool, though I couldn't see it. I said, I think someone is here. And as soon as I acknowledged it, I knew then who it was. And I said, Grandpa, I could faintly see a figure just like I do sometimes in waking life. At that moment, he fully manifested. So I was able to see him. It was my grandfather 
whom I'd never met as he died in the 70s before I was born. I didn't know much about him and only had a few pictures. He looked different because the pictures I had were were in his older years. In this dream, he appeared to be in his 40s, slicked back hair, and was wearing a maroon leisure suit. It was all so distinct, as if I took it all in in slow motion. He said, yeah, it's me, in a casual, laid-back voice. I walked over and gave him a hug. As I hugged him, I could smell what seemed to be pipe smoke. It was so overwhelmingly strong. It was a smell I don't remember having smelled since I was a young child when the older men would smoke from pipes. I can't even compare it to anything else, not cigars or cigarettes. As I hugged him, I began to cry a little because I was overcome with emotions having never met him. He said, oh, I didn't mean for this to happen. Again, in the calmest go with the flow tone. I said, I'm fine. It's, it's just so nice to meet you. My grandfather then said, I don't have much time. I have a card game to get back to. I laughed and said, oh, that's what you do up there. He smiled and said, well, I show him how it's done. I said, maybe you can show me because I really don't know how to play at all. Let me find some cards. I turned to look for cards, turned back, and he was gone. I awoke instantly knowing this was a visit from my grandfather I'd never met. He had no direct message, but during that brief encounter, I felt the love that was being delivered. I'd also never before actually smelled something during a dream visitation. Upon waking, I instantly contacted my cousin, who is several years older than me, and and I spent a lot of time with him growing up. I explained it all in detail, and I said, so I just need to know, did he play cards? Because I don't play cards, nor think of them, so that's odd for me. She said, wow, not only did he play cards, he played all the time. The family would have huge card games, and he also smoked all the time. He rolled his own tobacco cigarettes, so that would have been the unique smell. I'd never met him and knew very few details about him, such as his career or how he died. I had no idea he played cards or that he smoked. My dad spoke very little of him, only a few stories of fishing and camping, and my dad passed away when I was 23, so I never got to ask those questions. Just one day after the stream visit, my uncle passed away. This was my grandfather's son and my dad's brother. I'm not sure if this visit coincided or why, maybe just reassurance that they're all there together, waiting for their family, watching over and playing cards. Isn't that lovely? It is. It is. And I love the details. I love, and it made me start thinking about leisure suits. And that, that was a fashion, that was an interesting fashion statement that was made for a short period of time, wasn't it? The polyester leisure suits. I know. And like, imagine going up to heaven and it's like, you can wear anything you want. And you're like, I'll take me a leisure suit in burgundy. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And the fact I've seen that a lot that people will show up in what in their prime of when they were healthy of when they were uh, I've, I've heard that quite a bit in dreams that people will show themselves as younger, fitter in the prime of their life but they might present it first to let you know who they are and then they'll shift. Have you found that as well with? Yes, a hundred percent. And you see that in near death experiences as well, when they go to the other side and they'll, they'll meet their, their deceased loved ones and they look, you know, 20, 30 years younger, which, you know, again, why not? If you could appear any way you wanted, right. You want to appear in your prime. I also find it interesting that The grandfather did not appear in her quote unquote dream because I don't think this was a dream. You know, I think her soul actually traveled and and visited with him, but he didn't appear until she recognized it and said, 
grandpa, is that you? Mm-hmm. And to me, this, this mirrors what happens in, in waking life. When we're trying to connect with our loved ones or our spirit guides and our angels, we have to recognize that invisible presence. And the more we do that, the more visible they can come in our lives. I do think that they come to us to warn or prepare or celebrate big events coming up in the family. And so I, I agree with what she said, that, that he appeared simply as kind of like a heads up that the uncle was going to be going soon. Um, but as a reminder to not only her, but the whole family, that they're all together on the other side. Right. Right. And just the, the pipe smell that it was so unique. And a lot of folks will say, oh, I smell cigarettes and I know so-and-so's around. Or uh, there's a woman that I've talked to recently and she has, she, she just despised, she knows who it is that's coming through. They come through with, with cigarette smell. And then she said, but I hate the smell. So can I just ask them not to come through with that smell and to do something different? And I thought that was, that was fun because it's, uh, they want to let you know they're around, but she had so much beautiful detail in this. It's incredible. You know, the smoking always makes me wonder though, like, first of all, I would not want to be associated with that smell either. And yet you see it so many times with people. And then it makes me wonder, like my mom is 83 and she still smokes about two packs of cigarettes a day. We can't get her to stop. And she won't move into assisted living because she'd have to give up her beloved little friends, mm-hmm. her little sticks. And I wonder if when she gets to heaven, she probably will still smoke. Do you know what I mean? Even if it's just like, like a, a, a manifested visual, it's just like a habit. So I wonder when people smell cigarette smoke around loved ones, are they still smoking in heaven? Or is it just, oh, I, I associate, you know, grandma with, with Marlboro lights. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting though. And some people, there's someone that shows up for me with that smell who I know quit smoking decades before the person passed. So I, 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 I have to wonder, maybe it's similar to that addiction thing that people will come back. They, they're close enough that they can experience it here when they're closer to our energy rather than the energy of being in spirit. I don't know. Or maybe they just know, like as a kid, my dad always wore Old Spice and he probably stopped wearing Old Spice, I don't know, when I was like, in high school, but I, every time I smell old spice, I think of my dad growing up. And so if I smelled old spice now, I'd be like, Oh, hi dad. You know? And so mm-hmm. maybe it's just these people in heaven. know, Oh, she associates me with camels. I just don't want to be associated with cigarette smoke. I would want to be associated with, I don't know, lilacs or roses, but yeah, I guess pie. pie would be a pie nice chocolate <laughs> chocolate. <laughs> Y'all smell chocolate years down the road. Just say, hey, Samantha. (laughs) All right. I think we have one more. Well, that was one we had read in the last one. The one about time moving forward with crystals. If there was a crystal for time management and you had said how wonderful it would be if we could, but. um, Okay. So, but, but again, we're, 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 we're still looking for that elusive crystal that, that will help us with uh, time management, because I think we're all, I don't know about you, Samantha, but time management is just still, it's still not my friend. I'm working on it though. (laughs) Well, I think that's a struggle for all empaths. I really do. 
I have, I think everything is going to take me 15 minutes and it usually takes me a lot longer than that. Don't you feel like even before I was like, Oh, I'll be, I'll be back to you in five minutes. And it was 15 minutes later that I got back on. (laughs) And I think empaths, I don't know. I don't feel that I'm ungrounded. I don't feel that I'm disconnected in any way, shape or form. It's not that it's just that I really love just being in the moment and not planning and thinking and strategizing around time. Well, I had a, a note this morning and someone had mentioned a, a situation that happened 10 years ago. And I vividly flashed back in time to that event and thought about where I was, when it happened, how I heard about it. And then I realized, wow, that feels like it was forever ago. Like it feels like it was decades and decades and decades ago not only 10 years. It's not one of those snap of the fingers. Did that just happen? And so it can go the other way as well. I think sometimes where it's something that someone say, I'll say, Oh, did that happen like five, 10 years ago? And they'll say, no, it happened two years ago. So do you have it go the other way as well? Oh yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I've experienced it that way. I'm, and it's, it's a new thing. This, that form of relationship with time, Like if somebody says to me, you know, what was the highlight of 2018? I have a hard time differentiating the years in the last like five years. And I just thought that was a product of getting older and being busy and everything running together. But I'm around a lot of young people with my kids and their friends, and they say the same thing. Well, and part of it too is it is amazing how much we're bombarded with from every direction every day with, uh, you know, electronic, social media, what's going on, energy, blah, 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 blah. It's coming at us all the time. So, and you had shared something about uh, younger people and attention span and and the whole thing. And and I think there's some validity to that. And it could have an impact on our time, our question of time, because so much, I was speaking with someone recently about how I used to write these very lengthy, detailed patterns. Think about when you learned, you were an English teacher, you learned to write a a paragraph. You'd have a topic, you'd have the supporting sentences, you'd have the conclusion. And now you have to write in little snippets to hold people's attention because they they don't want to read that length for the most part. You can't even write paragraphs anymore. You're supposed to like bullet point things. (laughs) I'll share share what I was... I know. So one of my daughters, my kids periodically listen to to the podcast, um, which always freaks me out. Cause I'm like, what did I say? What did I say? But they do listen to it from time to time. And my, one of my daughters said, you know, I really liked that recent episode you guys did. And that one was really good. And, and she said, but 45 minutes to an hour, she's like, mom, people my age, we are TikTok fiends. And so we're used to like little snippets here, 20 minutes there. And so maybe you should think about just doing some shorter shows. I was like, well, thank you for the critique. (laughs) (laughs) But I think she has a point. Yeah. You know, we're all so busy and we're moving from one thing to the other. And yet, I don't know. I don't like that trajectory that we're all on of just go, go, go. No. We need those, those time outs of, we need those timeless days. You know, those, I love it when I wake up, it usually happens only on like a random Sunday, every once in a blue moon, but I love it when I wake up 
and I lay in bed and it doesn't matter what time it is because there's nothing on my plate that day. Oh, Isn't that the best that's, feeling? That's a special day. Yes, but it is. There's nothing you have to do, show up for, email back, nothing. That's the best. Okay. <laughs> so before uh, we wrap up, I just wanted to let everyone know that um, my friend Deb Bowen and I, we do the Psychic Teachers podcast. We are going to be presenting at the Edgar Casey ARE conference in Virginia. The conference is August 12th, 13th, and 14th, and it's called Signs, Symbols, Stars, and Stones, Esoteric Tools for Insight, Guidance, and Discovery. So Deb and I are going to be talking Saturday night, August 13th, about dreams, signs, and symbols, and crystals for dreams, and all that good stuff. And then I believe we're doing a workshop Sunday morning as well. So would love for you guys to come out and visit us. Again, that's the Edgar Casey Signs, Symbols, Stars, and Stones Conference in Virginia Beach, Virginia, August 12th to the 14th. Beautiful. Yeah. I'm a little nervous. I haven't done public speaking in a while. Uh, I mean, I guess this is public speaking, but it doesn't feel like public speaking. No. And there's, there's still a a tiny bit of anonymity with this one that it's not, well, you'll do great. And you're also getting closer to your book coming out. Very exciting. Very excited. Yeah. It's called the awake dreamer. It's coming out September 1st and it teaches people about how to use your dreams to access deeper levels of your consciousness. So there's a lot of information in there about past life dreams, lucid dreaming, astral travel, but also how to consciously dream and try to connect with your loved ones in heaven. And, and really, what does it all mean that we can do this? You know, where is our soul going when we sleep? So it was a really fun book to research and write, and I'm super excited to share it with everyone. So it is available for pre-order. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target. You can pre-order it on Audible, um, but you can definitely go to your local bookstore and ask them to pre-order it as well. Uh, The Awake Dreamer, it comes out September 1st. Incredible. And it's kind of fun because I, you know, I know the timeline of how long this book has been in fruition and now it's finally here. So this is so, so, so exciting and amazing, amazing book. Thank you. I'm super excited. It's just very awkward to, uh, to promote yourself, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've, I'm having a really hard, I think, I think our fellow empaths can, can resonate and understand with that, but especially like my extroverted sister, she's like, you've barely mentioned it. What's wrong with you? You've got to do this. You've got to have this. We have to have a book signing party. We have, and I'm like, slow your roll. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I can do all that, but um, yeah, I think I'm going to have to. Yeah. And well, it'll be fun. I- and it, it's so, so, so needed right now. And it's a beautiful, beautiful gift that you're sharing with, with not only our listeners, but with so many people to get more in contact with that part of who they are. Well, I just think it's, it's been such a special part of my life, you know, my dreaming life. It's how I've always connected the strongest to my intuition and to my guides and loved ones on the other side. And having this opportunity to kind of normalize that with a, with a wider audience is really exciting because I've noticed like some of my, my friends who aren't in this, you know, woo woo world, 
have shared my little pre-order post on their social media pages. And I looked at some of the comments from their friends and people were commenting like travel in your dreams, question mark. Another woman wrote, so I can meet my grandma in a dream. Yeah, right. And I was like, oh no, here we go. But I thought, no, no, this is cool because it's going to normalize those concepts. And, you know, I I had dinner with um, some friends last night and one of my friends brought her husband and they were talking about the book coming out. And, and this guy is like, as like a guy's, you know, he was wearing cargo pants and a golf shirt, you know what I mean? And like, just not into esoteric stuff at all. And he's like, so what's your book about? And, And I'm like, oh, it's about this, about that. He starts rattling off precognitive dream after precognitive dream that he has had in his life blew me away. Talked about (laughs) these amazing fishing trips. Like he has these dreams where he's fishing with his deceased father all the time. And and his wife is looking at me and she's like, I I, I didn't know any of this. And and I drove home and I thought, this is so cool that, that I hope this book will give people like him kind of like permission to share these amazing stories that happen while we're um, sleeping, which I don't think, I think our body is sleeping. I think our soul is traveling. Yes. Yes. Incredible. So it's it's called the awake dreamer. And when I submitted it to the, to the publisher, my agent and I agreed on the title, are you a night worker? Because that's what I've always called this as you know, right? Because I feel like you're doing, a lot of us are traveling when we sleep and we're crossing over people or we're helping greet souls who have newly crossed or we're meeting with loved ones and helping them fully transition. And so I've always called it night work. And the editor who accepted the book said, "Um, Samantha, that sounds like prostitution. So, yeah, then I wanted to name it something with soul traveler. Cause again, that's what I really think you're doing. I think your soul is traveling, but they named it the awake dreamer. And so that's what we have as well, the title. But the awake dreamer might open it up for more people like the man you met who yeah. probably doesn't have a, it's a beautiful name and an incredible, I, knowing the way that you write and how much you research things, I'm sure that there is just an amazing, amazing amount of, of information and insight that people will, will get so, so much from. Well, thank you. I certainly hope so. And, and we're going to do some more shows on dreams and on the book. And so again, would love to have your really cool dream stories so that um, we can do a whole little, where I think we're thinking of doing like a three or four shows throughout the rest of the summer on, on the impact and import of your dreams. So please feel free to email us enlightened empaths at gmail.com. And if you want to support a a woman who's wanted to be a published writer her entire life, please consider pre-ordering the awake dreamer. I would be humbly grateful and so excited and can't wait to share it with everyone. Oh, it, it really is. This is wonderful. And it's so, so well-deserved. Thank you, Denise. I appreciate you, love you, and love your support. Okay, oh. that's enough of my little toot in my horn. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good it's good practice. See, baby steps, right? Baby <laughs> steps. <laughs> All right. <laughs>
Thank you guys so much for listening and sharing your fascinating questions and stories. Please join us too on our Facebook page. You can find us at Enlightened Empaths. And if you've enjoyed this episode or any others, do tell a friend so we can grow our community or leave us a kind review on your listening platform. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, please remember to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care.